The psalmist said here in 107 verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Society's got some things backwards. I think most of us are aware of that. If you're even paying attention to the presidential election, the whole thing's messed up. <clears throat> but society's got some things backwards. Statistics say if you, if you have a good experience at a restaurant or a business, if you have a good experience that you will tell on the average of two people about your experience. But statistics also say that if their experience was unpleasant, they will tell on an average of 10 people. <laughs> I'm amazed that at the years and the funerals that I've had to, had to officiate uh, at, at, at the comments that people say around the, the casket that the person there cannot receive. Oh, man, he was, he was a great guy. She was a wonderful, talented lady. But a lot of those things were reserved until it was too late. You got it, man. You're with me today. Until it was too late. It's, it's not the time to pass a compliment to a person when they can't hear you. And so our subject today is say so. If, if you like someone's outfit, why don't you? If somebody's been kind to you, why don't you? Solomon gives us these words when he said the power of death and life is in the, the tongue. I don't know why it is that we often feel the need to be vocal when something is not right, but we very seldom are vocal when things are right. We, we find the need to complain about something that's not right at the restaurant and yet how many times do we take a moment to pass on a compliment to somebody that's serving us even if they are acting kind of out of sorts you don't know what they're going through and it might be the kind word that you say to them might completely change their attitude and change their day I, I know in my own life, this, this week I've got a couple compliments, and, and I really don't live on compliments. I, I'm very secure in, in who I am, and, and, and I don't need a lot of affirmation, but, but I got a couple compliments this week, and it felt really good. But why is it so often that we are silent in the areas where we really should speak and, and then we're vocal in areas where sometimes we ought to just be silent? See, the Bible talks about both. And when you look at the words, when it tells you to be silent, be still and know that I am God, and then you, you look at the, the story of Joshua coming into the land of Canaan, and, and he said to Joshua, when, when you're walking around the walls, tell everybody just to, to be quiet. Don't let them speak, because these are situations, and even Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, when the angel said to him, you're going to be a father, the Bible then says it shut his lips up and sealed them 
him so he wouldn't speak because oftentimes there is a propensity to speak when doubt would take control of our tongue. When doubt would be on the forefront and we would talk ourselves out of something that God is getting ready to do. But in Psalms 107, he's telling us he has already done for us what we needed done. And it's time that the redeemed of the Lord began to say so. Look at your neighbor and say, say so. It's time you start talking. It's time you start talking. It's time you start talking. It's time to let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, I want to take a look just for a moment at the word redeemed. The word redeemed may not mean a whole lot to us, but the Jewish people understood what the word redeemed really meant. Because the word redeemed means to have somebody purchase or to somebody to buy your freedom. Mm. Ooh, it's going to get good. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to get good. You might as well come on, join us. The term is a monetary word that means you have been bought, you have been purchased, somebody has bought your freedom. So when you start talking about or talking to the Israelites about redemption, they understood what it meant because they had been slaves in Egypt. They had been in bondage. Now, when you look at Egypt and, and you look at Pharaoh, Pharaoh in, in Bible terms is, is uh, used synonymous a lot of times with the enemy or the devil. Egypt a lot of times is used synonymous with, with sin and bondage and, and, and the slavery to sin. And so God is giving us a great show and tell. That's what I like about God so much is because I understand things by pictures. And the Bible is full of pictures that help me understand. And so God gives me this big picture of Israel coming out of Egypt to say to us, I want you to understand what redemption means. These people could not get out of bondage. When you read Exodus chapter 1, the Bible said that the more they were afflicted, the more they grew. The more they grew, the more they afflicted them. Kind of like sin. Sin just, it, it expects more than you're able to give. Someone said sin will cost you more than you want to pay. It will cause you to stay longer than you want to. It, it will keep you, it puts its clutches into you and holds you captive. But Jesus said in John 10, 10, I came that you might have life and have life more abundantly. I came that you might live. He also said, he that the Son has set free is free indeed. He has not brought us out of bondage into bondage. He brought us out of bondage into the liberty of the kingdom of his dear Son. Are you thankful for that? And so he is talking to them about redemption. He is talking to them about when you could not help yourself, when you could not save yourself, when you could not, am I talking to anybody? When you could not deliver yourself, 
When the chains they talked about today was around your life, not just your hands, but your feet, your mind, your heart, your entire life. You, oh, I feel Jesus in here. You was bound by chains. Am I talking to anybody today that's been set free and you're glad about it? And so he said, I want the redeemed of the Lord to start talking about it. I want the redeemed of the Lord to let somebody know you've been redeemed. You know, some people say, you know, the Bible talks about God knows my heart. He searches my heart. And he does. The psalmist said, search me, O God, and know me. Try me and see if there's any wicked way in me. Look at me. Look at my heart. God knows my heart. But when it comes to being redeemed, he said, you need to talk about it. Psalms chapter 150 said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. In Psalms 100, he said, enter in his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. I know this is kind of elementary today, but we're setting the foundation for something that's going to take us somewhere. How many want to go somewhere? We want to go somewhere. We're laying the foundation to go somewhere. It all begins with opening your mouth and saying so. You that own businesses and you employ people and you work for vendors and when they do something nice for you, you might send them a card or, or, or give them a gift card somewhere, but somehow they're going to know that you are thankful for what they did for you. For years we've talked about having an attitude of gratitude and people are just kind of hanging around saying, when I feel like it, I'm going to do it. That's not what God was talking about when he talked about praise. When he talked about praise, he was not saying, when you feel like it, go ahead and do it. He said there should simply be something inside of you when you begin to understand where you were and where you are now, there's something inside that has to be vocalized. There's something that has to be said. We come to church and say, well, God knows what I'm thinking and God knows what I feel. But sometimes it's not about God knowing what you feel because when you get the the book of Acts around the 17th chapter the Bible said that when Paul and Silas were in prison at midnight they begin to pray and sing praises and it does not say that God heard them it said the prisoners heard them sometimes my praise is not about God necessarily hearing it it is about somebody sitting beside me that knows what I'm going through that knows everything I'm up against but in the midst of inconvenience and in the midst of turmoil, my mouth is open and I'm saying, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. I want somebody to know that when I'm walking through hell, I still have a Savior that never leaves me nor forsakes me. I want somebody to know that when all of life is coming against me, I still know my Redeemer liveth. So it's time 
for the redeemed to say so. Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because you don't know who may be sitting beside you. You don't know who needs to hear you in the midst of your conundrums and dilemmas of life that you can still acknowledge the fact that God is with you. The psalmist said, he gives me a song in the night. Whew. I'm telling you, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just still so overwhelmed because I woke up, I woke myself up singing about the goodness of God. It wasn't my flesh singing. It was my spirit. See, some of you don't understand what that's about. Because your flesh is dictating what your spirit is doing. But he did not come to redeem your flesh because your flesh is going back to the dust and the ashes of the earth. He came to redeem your spirit. He came to save your soul. David was not just talking about his flesh singing. He said, my flesh shall rest in hope. My flesh is resting in hope because of something deeper. Too many of us are letting the circumstances of life dictate what our mouth says. He said, you draw near to me with your lips, but your heart is somewhere else. You've learned how to say it. You've learned how to do it. You've learned how to go through the motions and the mechanics of it. But God's saying... I'm looking for something that's birthed in the heart. Because he would say in another place, from the abundance of the heart, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth begins to speak. So when you realize that you were lost in sin, but Jesus took you in. When you realize you owed a debt that you could not pay. And it was growing every day. But Jesus paid it all. So he says to us, I want the redeemed to begin to talk about it. I'm amazed that we can go to our jobs and we can go to secular places and we can talk about the sports and we can talk about the presidential election and we can talk about all these kind of things. Uh, that's not what he told us to talk about. He said, let the redeemed begin to say so. Let the redeemed begin to talk. Uh, oh, I'm waiting for a people all over Midland uh, to begin to talk about I was in sin, uh, but now I'm in grace. Uh, I was lost, but now I'm found. Uh, I could see I was blind, but now I see what happened. Oh, let me tell you what happened. Huh? You can go to this website. 
Gotcha. Uh, you, you need to ask my preacher. See, one of the biggest lies that we've ever believed is that salvation has to take place in this building. What, one of the biggest lies that we've adopted is that healings have to take place in here. If you'll come to my church and have my preacher pray for you. If you'll come to church and hear a message, the greatest preacher in this church is not me. The greatest preachers in this congregation are you and me outside of this pulpit. Standing in the midst of our world, letting people know that I'm redeemed. Letting people know that I've been saved by grace. See, I think in some ways, ladies and gentlemen, that we've got it all backwards because we're more interested in people just joining our church. We want people to become part of our church for the greater good of our community. But ladies and gentlemen, what makes the difference in the world if people get their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Whether they never come to this church or not, that's not what matters. Uh, is we need to let people know that I'm redeemed. Uh, I used to be where you are, but Jesus saved me. But he said, let the redeemed say so. One of the problems, ladies and gentlemen, is we're drinking at the waters of this world way too much. And we have to drain out of you all of the activities of the world trying to get a little Holy Ghost in you so you can respond. He didn't say it's our duty to make you respond. He said there ought to be something resident in you that whether they're playing music or not, whether they're singing or not, there ought to be something in you that causes you to say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. This is about an encounter with the glory of God so that you can leave this place and go into the world intoxicated with the Holy Ghost so that not only are you saying so here, but you're saying so out there. All right, go with me to Jeremiah chapter 30. Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 18. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring again the captivity of Jacob's tents and will have mercy on his dwelling place. And the city shall be builded upon her own heap, and the palace shall remain after the manner thereof. This is what he's saying I'm going to do for you. He's speaking to Israel. Metaphorically, he's speaking to us, 
And he's saying, this is what I'm going to do to you and for you. I'm going to rebuild your life. The chaos of your life, I'm going to rebuild it. I'm going to bring restoration to you. I'm going to bring hope to you. I'm going to build the palace again in all of its glory and radiance. I bring you a word today. God said, I'm going to do it. He's going to rebuild my life. He's going to rebuild my future. Things are going to get better. I said, things are going to get better. One of the things I felt in prayer last night and this morning is that this church is going to have a rebuilding of faith. There's a lot of people around here that are lacking in faith. But it's like the man who said, I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. But God said to me to tell you that he's going to rebuild some areas of your life. You've got to have faith to believe that. See, if you can't believe that, then all my preaching is in vain. If you can't wrap your faith around that and say, in spite of what I see, God gave me a promise that he's going to build some things in my life. Some things that I lost, he's going to restore to me. Oh, I feel like preaching a moment. Some things, but I got a question for you. Can you praise him in the interlude? See, it's easy to praise him after the fact. Can you praise him when you can't see it fulfilled? Can, can you praise him when you can't see it happening? Can you praise him and believe him for things that are not yet? Can you praise him during the process? Can you praise him when it doesn't look like anything's happening? Praise him. Out of them shall proceed thanksgiving. Out of them is coming thanksgiving. Thanks by giving. That's what praise is. It's speaking for what he's done for you. It's giving a praise. So he said, out of them shall proceed thanksgiving. And the voice of them that make merry. Notice, the voice of them that make merry. Why do we praise him vocally? We praise him for things that other people can't see so they know that God is working in us. A lot of things, you have no clue what God is doing in the lives of people. I'm privileged to know some of the things that are happening. And so when I see them with hands lifted up and voices open and giving him praise, uh, man, I know, man, it's not convenient for them to do it, but they're thankful that God is doing something in their life. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, 
I'm not totally where God's taken me. But I've got to stop every now and then and give him a praise because I'm not where I used to be. Man, you may not know it, but God has done some incredible things in my life. I don't have time to stop and tell you everything that he's done. So just let my praise let you know. Just let my worship let you know that God is doing something inside of me.